0: As we get closer to Good Friday, um, I'll, we start asking questions. I don't, know, I don't know if you get this, but I, I certainly, I kind of, I feel quite um, serious as we get up to, Easter, uh, to Good Friday. I start thinking and reflecting quite a lot on the cross and all it means. And obviously one of the major aspects of the cross is that it's by the cross that we receive forgiveness for our sins. Um, it says in Isaiah chapter chapter 53, it says, Jesus, he was pierced for our trans- transgressions. The Lord laid on him the sins of us all. On the cross, Jesus was dealing with our sin. It wasn't something, uh, you know, we don't get to go to God because we're good people. But God wanted to deal with our sin. Because he wanted to show his love, his care, his affection, his desire for us. And the answer to the problem of our sin was to send Jesus, and Jesus died for us. But today we're going to be spending the majority of our time looking at a slightly different aspect of forgiveness. And that's the importance of forgiving one another. Because, you know, it's actually quite, it's it's relatively easy to uh, be forgiven. You don't actually have to do much to be forgiven. It's really tough to forgive. And actually that's a principle I think we're going to see throughout today. Forgiveness, you know, being forgiven, you have to kind of overcome pride sometimes. So there are some things in your life that you have to do. But actually, what Jesus did on the cross, it was his initiative. And actually he did all the work and we receive. When uh, we've been going through Acts and um, when Peter preached the response was what must we do to be saved and Peter's response to that was repent and be baptized every one of you for the forgiveness of your sins. So you have to do something but it's nothing like what Jesus had to do on the cross and uh, so I want to talk about forgiveness. It's a costly thing and it's hard but if we want to be a church filled with the grace of God then we, if we want to be a church that demonstrates unity and love, then we need to be able to forgive one another. Yes. We need to be quick to make things right with one another. We need to be a quick, quick to apologise. And we need to be quick and eager to forgive. And it was interesting, actually, when, Sarah's word, when Sarah brought her word about kind of, you kind of turn up, it can be a bit shop-front Christianity. And you kind you, you of turn up on a Sunday and you have a look around and then you go away. Actually, we, we want more than that. We want a deeper relationship with one another. And actually, forgiveness is a critical part of that. So, I'm going to look at three things. First of all, we're going to look at a culture of forgiveness because, uh, being, because community relies on forgiveness. Secondly, we're going to look at a process of forgiveness. Because forgiveness is tough and painful at times. And thirdly, we're going to look at our example of forgiveness. Because Jesus demonstrates forgiveness perfectly. Okay, so a culture of forgiveness. If you did a Bible study on forgiveness, uh, you'd be amazed how often God forgiving us is related directly to us forgiving um, our brothers and sisters when they sin against us. When uh, the disciples came to Jesus... Is this working? Sorry, is it clicking? That's cool. Um, When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he gave them the Lord's Prayer. And um, one of the verses, verse 12, is a pretty tough one. Um, It says, Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those that sin against us. What I'd love us to do, if this is okay, I know it's quite small, but I'd love us to stand. I thought it would be nice just to... um, to say the Lord's Prayer together. (coughs) This is from um, Matthew's Version. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today (laughs) <laughs> do you want to take your seats? Actually, um, on, on Wednesday evening we had Connect Community and uh, someone said, Could you do the gra- should we do the grace? And uh, I was like, yeah, I don't know the words of the grace. But... <laughs> so you kind of like pretend, you know, by just <laughs> lagging slightly behind me. Anyway, that was a, a slide, so. Um Verse 12 is very uh, challenging. It says, um, "Forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those that sin against us." Another way of putting that could be: as much as you hope or expect God to forgive you of your sins, you should expect to forgive others when they sin against you. You see, when we when we're sorry for something we've done wrong, and you you know that feeling of I regret what I've done. I'm so I'm sad about it. It's 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 getting me down. And you go to God with it, and you go to your Father in heaven, and you repent. You say, I don't want to do that kind of thing. God, would you forgive me of what I've done? You are within your rights to think that actually God will forgive you. It says in John, uh, in First John, it says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive. Our sin, and so you're within your expectations to to expect God to forgive you. But in the same way, when someone sins against you, do you expect to forgive them? Is that your expectation that you are going to forgive them? Because this is the challenge that Jesus gives us. In fact, in the next verse from the from the Lord's Prayer, it says this. This is challenging. It says, verse fourteen: For if you forgive other people When they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive your sin. Is that a bit challenging? It's gone quiet. See, it's easier to be forgiven than it is to forgive. Last week, Rebecca talked about how the Apostle Peter... Uh, called the, uh, the early church it, uh, his people. It was like his new community. I have to go to my people and talk to him. And the church was that. This new community was based on grace. It was based on forgiveness. It was based on their hope they had in Jesus. But the reality is that any community this side of heaven that is going to have its fair share of problems. It's never going to be easy. Any community with one or more people in it is going to have trouble. There's a promise for you. It's what's going to happen. There's an amazing quote from a guy called David Orsberger. It says this. You're going to have to think, think with me a little bit. No relationship exists long without tensions. No community continues long without conflicts. No human interaction occurs without the possibility of pain, injury, suffering and alienation. The hope that sorry, the hurts are always there, the misunderstandings inevitably happen. There is invariably trouble. Without forgiveness, community is only possible where people are safe and cautiously superficial. With forgiveness. We are set free to meet genuinely, to interact authentically, and to risk being fully present with each other in integrity. If we don't have a a culture of forgiveness, if forgiveness isn't something we're particularly good at, then authenticity will be lost. And openness and honesty will be non-existent. Why would you risk it? If, If you came to church and if, if you confessed your sin to someone else and they did not show any kind of forgiveness, forgiving trait, why would you trust? Why would you trust to speak to them? If 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 you kind of thought, you know, every time I do something wrong, that person just gets me down and tells me off, tells me I'm rubbish, why would anyone want to, to have that kind of open relationship? But actually as we are ready to forgive it means we can have that openness and honesty. Because we're all, we all fall short. We fall, fall, you know, people fall short of our standards, but we fall short of our own standards all the time, don't we? And so we need this culture of forgiveness within the church. When Jesus established his church, he knew it was going to involve people, therefore he knew it was going to be messy. Uh, last week in our staff prayer meeting, we were reading from Ephesians chapter 3, And it has this beautiful picture of the church. It says, His, God's intent, was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities, to the eternal purpose that he accomplished through Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Now, doesn't that sound like a glorious picture of the church? The manifold wisdom of God. Even if you didn't know what manifold means, it just sounds like a good word, doesn't it? Manifold wisdom of God. That's a high and lofty picture of the church. But but Paul's not an idiot. He's not a fool. He knows that actually to have people involved in the church is going to make church messy. And he knows that even though it displays the manifold wisdom of God, he knows that actually we're going to have to kind of keep working on relationships in order for us, for it to work. And so I want you to, so he he uh, writes a little bit later on in Ephesians chapter 4. He says this in verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up to us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. God shows his manifold wisdom through the church and we need to work on our relationships and and key to that is instead of having bitterness and anger and rage welling up among us, that actually we keep short accounts and that we forgive one another when we are sinned against. It's really important. A culture of forgiveness, that's what we want to develop, yeah? Okay, so secondly, the process of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not an easy thing to do. And sometimes, when you're sinned against deeply, it can be very hard to forgive. So, what happens? What do you do with this kind of message from Jesus to forgive those that sin against you if you've been abused or if you've been exploited? Or if you've been betrayed, or if someone has just treated you badly and you are hurting deeply, what do we do? I'll tell you what we don't do. We don't just say, you need to get over it. (laughs) You don't just cover over it and just say, oh look, just say you've forgiven him and then one day you'll feel better about it. Time's a good healer. That's not what we do. A good quote here, it says... Bitterness is a poison we drink, hoping that another person will die. And actually, if we don't deal with our hurt and our pain, it turns to bitterness, and that doesn't hurt anyone other than the person who's hurting. And uh, we need to be careful of that. Uh, A lady called Leslie Belinda, her husband uh, was killed in 1994 in the Rwandan genocide, and um, she spent many years trying to work out how she's going to deal with this message of Jesus: forgive those that have sinned against you. How do I do that when this has happened to my husband? How do I? Th- I mean, the way he was killed just—it was horrible. How do I forgive the person who did that to me? And actually, what she found was that the teaching she heard in churches was not helpful at all. Your your message is not helping me. And eventually she realised that actually sometimes you need a process of forgiveness. You can't just lump someone with this mountain and say get on with it. Actually you need to help them to be able to forgive. And so she came up with four kind of ways or four parts of her process that she felt helpful for her and and she goes around now uh, teaching other people. The first one is that you need to acknowledge the reality and the horror of what has happened and accept and take ownership of the strong feelings involved. So a lot of people, when they think about forgiveness, it's like, it's not as bad, you know, Jesus went through worse or, or whatever. Um, and actually, no, you've got to accept. What, what's happened to me is not a good thing. It's terrible. I've been hurt. It wasn't right. And the feelings I'm feeling, it's not wrong to feel that. Actually, because, because of what they've done to me. And you need to accept it. And sometimes, just getting to that point takes a long time for someone. The second um, kind of step she gives is to choose not to seek revenge or retaliation for what's been done. Often, when someone's done something uh, awful to you, you want them to feel the pain that you're feeling. And so, you you you, you might not even be thinking to, to do it, actually, but you desire revenge for them. And actually, she's saying, you need to get to the point where you can say, that's not what I'm after. Now, I do want to say a little point here. Revenge is not the same as justice. Okay? if someone If someone has done something illegal, morally wrong, actually they do need to face the consequence of that sin. Okay? I'm not saying, if someone does something wrong and they say sorry, nothing should happen to them. Um, I'm just saying you're not, you're not after that kind of revenge in your heart. Okay? If someone came to us as a church and said, I've got this, you know, I've got this real problem, um, you know, I've done something terrible, we would, we would look to help them in terms of the process of forgiveness but we would also have to say to them, uh, or, or report them, help them, go with them to actually face the consequences, if it means going to the police or something like that. Okay. And I just want to make that slight um, kind of balance clear. If that's all right. So, so revenge is um, sorry. Choose not to seek revenge or retaliation for what's been done. The third thing she talks about is making a recognition. Uh, sorry, make a recognition of the common humanity that I share with the one who has wronged me. Coming to the point where you can say that person is not an animal. But actually they are a sinner, part of broken humanity. And uh, just as I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, so have they. And somehow to kind of say they're not an animal, they're a human being. And the third so the fourth thing she talks about is that, we li- that you need to believe that with God's help, the perpetrator could turn their life around and live for peace. Amen. That could that complete transformation could happen. You think of Jesus on the cross mm. with the criminal on his left and his right. Till the end, they were criminals, but one of them, right at the end, yes. made a confession of faith, and Jesus could say, "Today you'll be with me in paradise." <laughs> So what she does, what she does say is this process can take a very long time. The first bit, in particular, can take a very long time for people to get through. But what I liked about it is that she's got a bias towards forgiveness. She wants to forgive, even though it's tough. She's like, okay, how can we make this happen? How can we break it down into achievable kind of uh, an achievable process? And I think that's what we want to be looking to do. If you, if you've been severely sinned against, I don't think you can do it on your own. I don't think you can find forgiveness uh, for that person on your own. I think you will need to work alongside someone yeah. to help you go towards that. And it might take time, and no one's going to judge you for that. And, and we want to work together towards forgiveness. Amen? Amen. Okay. Can I just call the band up? I don't know what the time is. We've got a bit of time at the end. Is that right? Good. Um, the, the final thing is our example of forgiveness, and obviously Jesus is our greatest example. And um, I just thought it'd be nice just to read some scripture. So um, Eva's going to come up. She's going to read for us. Actually, have we got. Could they even have a mic? And. Uh, once Paul's ready, <laughs> did you know, fancy playing, playing a bit and then Edward can read to us?
1: <laughs> Our servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole, he was whipped so we could be healed. And all of us like sheep have strayed away, yet we have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all.
0: Uh, to be forgiven than it is to forgive. And yet, God calls us to forgive It's what being a part of a community of grace is all about. And I know that for a lot of people, forgiveness is part you to hear today that Jesus walks through that pain with you. He will always walk along that road with you. You don't do it on your own. And, uh, and actually, as a church, we stand by one another. As someone's working through the process of trying to forgive someone. We, we've got to be there. We've got to be standing with them. We've got to be praying with them. We believe, actually, that there is hope in Jesus,
1: name.
0: What I'd like us to do is, um, we're just going to sing through this song together. You can stand up, we can sit down. Um, we're going to sing through this song. And once we've done that, we're going to have communion. And if, if there are people that would just like to be prayed for, you can either go and find someone you trust and ask them to pray with you. Or you can come to the front and there'll be a few people pray with you we've got a bit of time but I just want to encourage us let's be a church that's kind of leaning towards forgiveness in the every day don't leave it long until you've said okay I'm letting go of that don't be easy to offend keep short accounts but if you're if you're going through stuff and you're like I'm deeply hurting don't just leave it there Should we stand together Thank mm-hmm. you.